Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Mosa Duran, and this is Beyond the Kale, the podcast where people come to share their vegan stories. Now, whenever somebody finds out I'm vegan, I get all kinds of questions, including... How do you get your protein? Being vegan is expensive, right? How do you go vegan? What's your name? And the one that I get more often than I ever thought I would... How can you be Mexican and vegan? Now, to be honest, the answer usually depends on who's asking, because sometimes... I just don't feel like getting into it. But that ain't happening here. On Beyond the Kale, we're getting into all types of topics, including some that we as vegans often just don't talk about. Episode number four, coming right up. All right, hey, what's up, guys? Freeze, chilling. One of my favorite spots to get food. In Las Vegas, I'm gonna say it's Taco-tarian. Uh Their Dorados are the bomb. Uh, with the habanero sauce, you gotta get habanero. The enchiladas are amazing. Their Jamaica's off the chain. And uh, their bean and cheese is the best I've ever had. And the Baja, the, the Baja with the fried avocado. Yeah, and the atmosphere is fun. Hello, welcome to Beyond the Kale, episode number four. The guest on this episode goes by Freeze, and he spent more than 10 years working as a tour manager with some of the biggest names in music and entertainment. And because of that job, he traveled a lot. Now, during the course of this conversation, Freeze fills me in on how he was able to find vegan food while out there on the road. And he also tells me about some of the people that he got to work with, including hip hop legends DMX, and Bushwick Bill. But before we get into any of that, we start this conversation off with Freeze explaining how the time that he spent as a radio DJ in college set him up for a career in the music industry. Now, just a quick side note before we get into it, you're going to hear us both refer to somebody by the name of Paul a few times. Paul is the person that put Freeze and I in contact in order for this conversation to happen. So, check it out shout out to paul first of all thanks for linking us up this is cool me and him were djs at college radio from there i started getting in contact with record labels in the hip-hop genre and uh they would send me free stuff so i started getting into the music business that way i did uh street team promotions for many record labels for like 10 years in the course of it i had a friend who is named Dave Bybee. And he hit me up one day and uh, said, hey, can you come with me to this rock show? I'll get you in free and free drinks and meet the band and all this stuff. So he would come with me and do the rock shows because most most stuff I did was hip hop, but he'd come on all the rock stuff because he knew all the bands. And, and uh, so a few years later, he hit me up. I was living in Miami and he said, hey, you want to go on the Warp Tour? And I said, uh, not really. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because in 2003, I had been contacted by a girl, this girl from Michigan. She had me book like 10 rappers for the, for the Salt Lake Warp Tour. And so I found local rappers, booked them. But when we went in there, people in that time period, a lot of people were like, fuck rap because it was like a punk rock concert mostly and this was just a little tent so i told the guy no because i was like dude i'm gonna have to fight every day like i don't sound fun he's like it's changed so much so i was like all right so a month later he called me up back to miami and uh 
he said, you want to go on the warp tour? I said, actually, yeah, let's do it. So I flew to Vegas and, um, I jumped in RV and I went and, uh, I started, uh, I started helping them sell merch and I was their assistant tour manager. They were a reggae band called Ivy league, um, out of Southern California. And I tour managed them a couple of times on warp tour. And, uh, in the course of that, um, I met a bunch of other people that were with the sponsors on the tour, not with bands. And after a couple of years with the band, I realized that I didn't want to, I mean, shout out to everybody in the band, you know, this ain't nothing against you guys, but I didn't want to babysit adults anymore. So um, I started doing the sponsor thing and plus it paid more. So um, I, I really did that from 2009 to 2020. Um, I'm really not, trying to pursue it anymore but i from 2009 to 2019 i was on or 2018 i was on the road an average of like 10 to 11 months a year taking it back even before that you said you were uh you were a dj in college yeah yeah so it sounds to me like your, your love for music and hip-hop it's kind of been with you for a while right probably goes back to when you were a kid oh yeah can you tell me a little bit about how that was i mean when did you realize that you know being in the music business was something you wanted to do? Uh, well, I didn't really necessarily want to be like in the music business as a, a business person. I really wanted to do it as an artist. And I, I mean, I made some songs. I mean, the, the place that I uh, grew up with where me and Paul both went to college, it's called St. George, Utah. And like I made a song in the year 2000 called Summertime in the STG. Was it the play off the summertime in the LBC? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah that, that class is on. So, uh, I mean, if you go to St. George now, almost all the businesses in their website and some of them on their signs, they have STG. Everyone's adopted. I created that shit. So, like, I, <laughs> I was actually really good at music. I still am, but I just didn't really go forward with it. I just step, step back. Being on the radio, that's how, it, how I got into working with the labels. But before that, I mean, I I read a lot of books about the music industry, which at the time there weren't many. I read everyone you could think of. When you got to college, how'd you fall into the radio thing? Man, I didn't really want to go to college. I wanted to do music. My parents like pushed me and were like, you should go to college. They thought that was, you know, a good idea. So I went there and I found the radio class. What got me into thinking about it is um in Las Vegas, there was the longest ever running uh hip-hop mix show in existence and it was called the word up show you know like new york had like stretch and bobito and la had like the beat we had uh, the word up show and it was our you know it was the, the best show so i was like a super big fan of that and then in high school um we took a trip to las vegas which is two hours from where i grew up i can't remember what group it was but we went to unlv i think it was like future business leaders of america if i recall correctly they toured us around the campus well they took us to the radio station and it was where word up was, uh, oh, wow. you know, like made, yeah. um, the guys weren't there or anything. Um, but there were a bunch of like radio industry magazines, which I took and kept and like studied and read, you know, like before the internet was around really. Yeah. So, um, th that's really what inspired me. And then I, when I found out that the college I went to, which at the time was called Dixie college, um, when I found that shit out, I was like, oh man, I got to be on the radio. Like, I mean, I had such 
a good music collection so i wanted to share it and like so yeah i had a radio show on i had two uh they were both hip-hop and they were both number one shows in the city on the radio on the college radio it was pretty fun one of the best times of my life man i bet man that's that sounds real cool so you said you said you had a music collection you wanted to share it so during your shows you obviously got to choose what was being put out over the airwaves correct yeah we were the program directors i mean there was a program director but we got to choose and play anything and um it was like 98 through 2000 when i was there ish Mm. and uh so um everybody got to choose their own stuff and there was a punk show the punk show was number one a reggae show the reggae show was number one we were competing against all the radio stations in the city because there aren't really many it's a small place but they were pissed (laughs) they were pissed that we were getting all these good shows but there was a, a pop punk show and there was all these uh, like shows that they didn't play this kind of music and kids want to hear it. So we were playing. Yeah. It. What were you playing? Uh, I know you said hip hop, but give me a little bit more specifics as to the types of artists. Um, what, what types of hip hop were you, were you putting out over the, over the airwaves there in, uh, in Utah? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I, I played a bunch of Las Vegas artists where I grew up. The closest city is Las Vegas. So I am, I've always had lots of friends down there, family. My uncle was chief of the North Las Vegas Fire Department for years, uh, for like 20 years. It's just been like a part of our family because we move in and out of there. I played a bunch of stuff, but I I just want to say, I played a lot of Las Vegas artists and I tried to get them as much shine as possible because I wanted them to, I wanted them to sell as many records and become bigger. And and I just wanted people to hear it. Stacey G, Desert Dwellers. Doomsday Productions, uh, Play a J, uh, Buttercrumbs mixtapes, DJ Five and DJ Presto's mixtapes. Um, I had the guys from um, Hip Hop Site, which was a legendary hip hop store in Las Vegas. They came down uh, with three DJs and and co-hosted my show and played a bunch of stuff. So um, I played a lot of Las Vegas stuff, but. Um, I played a lot of West Coast also because here we are in the West and uh, West Coast is popular. And uh, but I also played a lot of East Coast, too. But me, um, I was like anti puffy kind of shit like that. Like I wasn't really into the shiny suit. Like I was like hardcore underground rap. Like (laughs) so I was playing, you know, anything from like West Coast cam to like the beat nuts to Mm. Twista to you know, down South, like, uh, man. And let me just say DMX had just come out. DMX was the most popular, anything. He was always like, no matter the whole time I was at the station, DMX was the most popular RIP DMX, but yeah, he was the most popular. Absolutely. I don't think anybody had heard anything like DMX when, when he hit the scene. Nah, his energy, man. Like it was crazy. It's, it's, I think it's still unmatched, right? Yeah, bro. Like, no one's got, no one's really come. Buster Rhymes is like in that same vein, but he came before DMX. So, yeah. And, and, and it was definitely, I mean, it, the, the energy levels, I guess, were definitely uh, similar, but, you know, they're both very, very different, in, in, as you know, um, in the way they approach their music and, and even the energy, right? Like, the, 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 they're both amazing. Um, side note, man, I, I finally got to see DMX uh, live a couple of years, uh, about, Three years ago now, two years ago. Oh yeah, where did you see him? Yeah, I saw him out in Long Beach. Uh, Snoop put on a, a hip hop music festival called Once Upon a Time in the LBC. Yeah, dude, that lineup was crazy. I didn't go, but I saw it. 
Yeah, man. Uh, it was, you know, Snoop obviously headlined. Uh, you had the game, had, uh, like I said, DMX was there. Um, Nipsey was supposed to be there. Bunch of, I can't remember the entire lineup. It was, it was nuts. It was, it was a huge, huge lineup, two stages. But yeah, like I said, finally got to see DMX and I'm, I'm glad yeah. I did. You know, um, me, me and the girlfriend are huge fans of his. So, uh, even, oh, yeah. even the girlfriend's mom just loves DMX. So uh, you can, you, I don't know how you can listen to a DMX record and not appreciate the energy and just everything he brings to, to the table every time he's on the mic. So, um, yeah, yeah. RIP DMX for sure. For real. You did your thing, uh, at college, you're doing your radio shows. And I know you told me a little bit about how you fell into a tour managing thing, but how long after you left school? Did you actually get the opportunity to go and um, start working in that world? Okay, so going on tour, I graduated. Well, I didn't graduate. I I would have graduated in 2000 had I graduated. (laughs) I just, I partied, man. Drinking 40s in the back of class, smoke weed at the radio station. (laughs) Like, you know. Um, So, uh, but right when I graduated or got out of there, um, uh, I didn't really do anything for like six months. I didn't really know what to do. Then my cousin hit me up and asked me if I wanted to come work doing Microsoft tech support in Orem, Utah, which is like 30 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, the labels that I've been working with, I told them I moved and they started sending me a bunch of work. And in between there, I would still be doing stuff in Vegas too. I'd still be driving down to Vegas and doing street team and different promotions for hip hop events. In 2004, a guy named Rory Mack, who's a legendary DJ in Las Vegas, but he's from Chicago. He's one of the first house DJs ever because Chicago originated house. And so he's one of the original Chicago house DJs. He, uh, he's, a, he's also one of the world's best street team promoters uh, that's, that's ever been. He's a very smart guy. Well, he hit me up in 2004 and asked me if I had ever done any work at the Sundance Film Festival. Hmm. And I had. I had done maybe four or five years of work out there. So I'd already been familiar with it. So he gave me this project and the project was there's this movie coming out starring Kevin Bacon called The Woodsman. And the executive producer of it is Dame Dash. He said, it's a Rockefeller promotion. What you're going to do is you're going to promote this movie, but we also want you to promote the label, the clothing label, Rockaware. And we also want you to promote a few different albums. Jay-Z's The Black Album, Chris and Neef, and like a few others. It's, I can't recall off the top of my head. But yeah. Jay-Z's The Black Album was the big one that we were doing. But the Rock Aware promotion the, the, for the clothing was probably bigger than either one of those. We had all sorts of promotional stuff, but we went around and we, like, we took these posters, me and uh, five other people, there were six of us. Um, we went around and plastered the whole city of park city it looked like rockefeller city bro like every it, like all the movies they were getting pissed and stuff but we just kept po- putting up posters and so at the very end uh the the very uh last night of sundance in 2004 the one of the guys that worked for dame um hit me up and said do you guys want to come to the party i were having a closing party and i said yeah of course so go to this closing party. The guy that I'd been talking to through the label was named Jeff and uh, he was there and he, you you asked, you know, about getting on tour. Now I didn't go on tour, but this is the first time I was like approached to be 
doing something like that. Um, he said, he approached me and he said, he said, man, you guys did such a good job. Like, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, if you want to move to New York, you can come stay on my floor. I was about to get married that year. And I was like, I couldn't do it. Like I, I was, it would have, I mean, I know it would have ruined my marriage for sure. So, but, so I decided against it. He told me move out to New York. I stay, I got a job with Rockefeller. So, but I didn't do it. And I, I don't, I don't regret it or nothing, but that, that party though, man, that party was crazy. First thing we get in there, Dame's on the mic and he sees us and he's like, Rockefeller street team. Thank you. Like shouts us out. He, he doesn't know who any of us are like personally, but I'm looking around the party and uh, there's, it's two stories. It's like a, in a big tent, it's two stories and falling down the stairs, looking familiar. I look over and I, my wife goes, that's Paris Hilton. She's falling down the stairs. So she's falling <laughs> down the stairs. Steven Spielberg's upstairs. Um, and then I look in the crowd and I see, uh, I don't know if you know who this is, but uh, Kareem Biggs Burke, who along with Jay-Z and Dame is uh, the, the three of them are the creators of Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. I see him and I go tell him, thank you for the opportunity. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be here right now, like doing this job. Appreciate it. And then uh, Dame gets on the mic and he goes, for the performing it off his first album, he's done beats for us plenty in the past. You might know him from that, but we're about to release his album and no one's ever heard it. Kanye West. So Kanye is up on the second level. He's, he performs almost his whole first album. Wow. And I look back in the crowd just to like feel the vibe and see like, how's it going back there, right? I see someone I recognize and I do it. I don't really go up and like bother people, especially during a show, but it was Andre 3000. So I went up and talked to him and, you know, just said, thanks for the music over the years and appreciate it. Like I wasn't, you know, and then I went back to the thing. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun night. Nice. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds, it, was, it uh, sounds absolutely epic actually. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, there's more to it, but just, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to like, get off the whole thing so from there was warp tour your first actual experience hitting the road and and um being around that whole uh tour environment and culture mm, for me i had never gone on the road it wasn't my first time being around it because i'd been i'd been working concerts for many years already so i kind of got the vibe but i didn't get you know, everything because you can't, you know, mm -hmm. not doing it, but yeah, warp tour, um, in 2009, that was my first one. Um, that set it off. That was the beginning of, of me actually striking out on the road and, and doing my thing. Um, so, uh, by the time you hit the road, were you, were you already vegan or no? Well, okay. I wasn't completely vegan yet. I was still eating cheese. Um, mm. I, I, I went cold turkey on meat, but cheese took me like a little while. It me took too. me like a year and a half just because it's so addictive, bro. Like, yeah, you know, it's like addictive and it's uh, it it uh, it makes you it, it gives you that dopamine. But what you know what? Warped Tour actually um, they gave us three options to eat. They gave us a regular option, which was meat and whatever else, you know. Then there was a vegetarian option, which was the same option as the meat option, but no meat. And maybe, maybe something else, but probably not. 
And then there's the vegan option. And the vegan option looked so bomb. And I was like, man, I'm I'm already vegan besides the cheese. I'm I'm so I that really propelled me into knowing I'd never tried Indian food before, bro. Like I didn't even know what it was really. I thought it was like this, like I didn't know what curry was, just like from like stereotypes and shit. I thought it was like this mushy, stinky stuff that I didn't want to be around. And I was like, oh shit, curry's the bomb. Like <laughs> I didn't know. Before we get into your more of your experiences on the road and specifically, you know, having to find uh vegan options when you were out there for so long. Um, I'm really curious to hear what motivated you to go vegan. I know you said you did it cold turkey as far as the meat goes and the, the cheese took a little bit of time for you to get there, but what caused you to finally decide that you wanted to give that stuff up? Well, hmm. in 2008, my mom passed away. And uh, also within like a month of that uh, or before that, uh, I was married and I, the girl I was with left. So I was like in a bad mental place, you know, especially when my mom passed. And uh, so I moved to Las Vegas. Well, I was living there anyway, but I, I moved back there after like trying to figure things out. And uh, the girl came over to our house. So it was me and my cousins. A girl came over to our house and said, you want, you guys want to go do hot yoga? I was like, yeah, I'll try it. So we went and did it. And uh, we started doing it a lot more. And at the time I was eating like mostly cheese quesadillas, hamburgers and fries and chicken strips, like just not good, uh, not healthy. Well, it, yeah, I don't I can't say it wasn't good, but it was not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> It was so greasy, though, like all that shit was so greasy, you know. So I, I remember coming home one day and I was like, man, I should go to Roberto's and get a quesadilla. But like, I don't feel like like I feel like I just got all the like toxins out of my body. Like, should I go and eat this? And so I'm you know, at 30 years old, I made my first salad. I, I never had one before. So I made one and ate it. <laughs> I know it was kind of unbelievable. And uh, after that, I started eating healthier. I got invited to a, a Thanksgiving, a pre-Thanksgiving dinner at uh, one of my Samoan friends' houses. And I never even ate pork like ever really before, but they had pork there. And I remember... I ate a piece of it and I was like, yo, I, I don't think I'm going to eat meat anymore. I just remember like I was kind of disgusted at myself for eating the pork for some reason because I, I felt like the yoga was like purifying my body. I was like, man, I'm, I kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was like, maybe I should go vegetarian. So I, I had some magic mushrooms and uh, a couple of my friends um, were in town. They They also lived out of town, but we'd come back to meet up and we went and ate these mushrooms and then we walk, walked around late at night at a golf course and uh we came up on this pond and there were these ducks and they got scared because they you know the strangers in their land so they like flew on the other side of the pond and uh they just like were like rah, rah, making all this noise and uh so i knelt down and i'm not i'm not hallucinating at this point but i knelt down and i was like i, I went like this and i go hey ducks you think i should go vegetarian and uh, <laughs> they, uh, at first, nothing but like just from my calmness sitting there, they came and floated over and like came and sat and looked at me. There was probably 10 of them. They just came and sat and looked at me. I just looked at them probably like two minutes. And then I stood up and I told the, the girls I was with, I said, I'm going to go vegetarian. Yeah, I decided that that day. And then like a week later, I ate a piece of chicken 
and I felt bad. And I was like, man, fuck, I should not have eaten that chicken. And I never ate, I never on purpose ate meat again. Like, uh, it's had it in a couple of like things that have been, you know, at restaurants and I figured it out, but yeah. I never ate it on purpose. I've heard a lot of stories from different people why they want, why they gave up meat and or, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's a new one. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I had researched about like the animal cruelty too. And that's, yeah. that's definitely a big part of it. But like, I really didn't, I hadn't dived into it and really gotten into it yet. Once you're on the road, you said you are, you're already vegetarian. I know you said warp tour gave you three options to choose from, but what about when you had to find your own food, when you had to, you know, make sure on your own that you were, you know, staying fed, how did you go about finding uh, vegetarian and vegan options when you were out there on the road? Now this was before the internet was the way we know it is now, right? Like, I don't know if Yelp was around and if it was, probably wasn't as useful. I don't know if that happy cow app was around. And if it was, it probably wasn't as useful. Right. So how did you find food when you were out there on the road? Uh, the first two years, uh, Yelp was in its infancy. Uh, but the first two years, um, I would, we had, okay. On the road, I, I toured with the same people for a little while and we had this same old ass GPS and it was like the Garmin and it was huge. And you had to like type in the address, like one letter at a time. And, but it had this feature that would like show you all the restaurants, like, you know, Yelp does now or, or Google, whatever you want, but it had this feature. So you'd press this feature and like Panera bread, Chipotle, <laughs> Moe's, uh, Moe's Southwest. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Um, it's in the South. Uh, those and a few others mm. uh, like it. So you'd write vegetarian in it because if you wrote vegan, it didn't understand it at, back then. So you'd say vegetarian and it was come up with these restaurants. And so uh, I ate at Chipotle and Panera it, and on the road. Uh, people <laughs> people call it. And you, you'd like do a little guitar noise to it too, but it's like fucking Pantera bread. <laughs> like, just so Pantera bread ate a lot of that. Um, and you just kind of, uh, kind of figure out um, what's up. And then like Facebook was around at this time. And so uh, PETA mostly at this time, not quite many others yet, but there was a few others, but PETA mostly had put out um, a guide to vegan options at fast food restaurants. And like, so I, I looked at that and saw, oh, the fries at this place are cool or like the Wendy's baked potato or whatever. So, cause like traveling, you're not, you know, you're stopping in a lot of small towns for gas and food and small towns at this time, they hadn't kind of got, they still haven't got there, but they they were way further than they are now away and so you i would also buy um i'd go to the grocery store if we stopped in the town and buy a loaf of bread peanut butter a bunch of laura bars and fruit snacks because there would be times we'd pull into a place and maybe it's like just just a gas station with like chicken strips and corn dogs so nothing to eat so i would make my own sandwich and and uh, you know be just fine plus you know Usually our drives, we, most drives aren't longer than a day. Some of them are, some of them are two or three days and you just stay in hotels along the way until you get, but 
most of them are like, you know, nine, 10 hours at the most. So mm. it was usually just one stop. It wasn't so bad. The The crazy thing about when I went vegan is I, I didn't come in at a time when it was nothing there. Like there was absolutely nothing. No, I, there was some things. Okay. Luckily, yeah. because the people that came before me and, and you, like the people that came before us and, and especially the people that came right before them, like they were eating like just iceberg lettuce was they'd be like, do you have any vegetarian options? Yeah, we got a salad iceberg lettuce. Like, so, but like, but I also came up during the time where it wasn't quite there yet. So I, I saw it go from pretty much nothing to everything it is now. And it's been pretty fun to watch and be a part of. And, and like, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not like some guy that's influenced hundreds of thousands of people, but I've influenced those around me. And I feel like that, that I was a part of, uh, you know, a small part of the cog, the wheel that changed it all because now, now it's almost everywhere, you know? That must've been a pretty uh, cool transformation to, to watch, especially being on the road for, you said nine years, right? I'm sure you hit up numerous cities and major cities and maybe even small towns, you know, on your way through numerous times during that time period. And being able to witness those areas, you know, uh, the, the vegan scenes, in those areas just kind of transform and grow must have been pretty cool. Does any one specific city or region come to mind where you saw like maybe you go from maybe absolutely nothing to a damn good vegan scene nowadays? Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, they're in the south. They're a yeah. big meat eating town. You know, they're just not far from dallas and so they're big on that but they've come a far far way um and they're i'm really impressed with like how how much they've come um over here on the west um like you know california they're they they in my opinion they do it the best now las vegas let me say this man 2010 maybe there was one vegan restaurant called pura vita uh this lady chef myra who's a local legend and, and, and a national legend. If you know what she's done, uh, it lasted maybe two years. And, uh, then I think after that veggie house came in and it was the only one for a while too. I think if I, if I recall, I could be wrong, but what the first one was only there in 2010 and now Las Vegas, we've got, I think 40 or 50 vegan restaurants. So yeah, in 10, in like a span of 11 years, it went from one to 50 close to 50. So you mentioned something that, that I've, I've always brought up uh, in conversations with other people that are vegan, uh, especially people that have been vegan longer than I've been. The people that, that have been vegan longer than we both have been had very limited options, right? When I went vegan, I was in, in Los Angeles and I had access to a lot of really good food uh, of all types. Had I not had all those different options available to me, I would like to think I would have stuck with it, but I don't know if I would have been able to, right? Um, Sounds to me like you were in a position where, yeah, I mean, there were some options, but there wasn't, they weren't always readily available to you. Did you ever have any doubts about sticking with the whole vegetarian thing and then the vegan thing when you were when you were out there on the road i i think i would have stuck with it um no matter what but i have to say man like it would have been super hard and uh i wasn't one that needed like 
I don't need beyond meat. I don't need like fake meat. Um, but I've eaten plenty of it and it, it's some of it's good. Some of it's garbage, but, um, you know, in the beginning, I ate so many black bean burgers. I love black beans and I love, I don't know. I, I would have stuck with it still, but I have to say, man, like I, I, you know, mostly read cause I don't, you know, I just don't know a lot of old people, I guess. Cause like, you know, like the, from the sixties, but like I read a lot and I hear their stories and stuff. And it's like, man, like usually it was like, a, it was always a baked potato and iceberg lettuce or fries or fries. You know, that's, that's it. I remember when I first, you know, it was when I first had gone vegan and I was grocery shopping. I've, I've always hated grocery shopping anyway. Right. But I'm, I, I'm at a, I'm at the, the Ralph's there uh, by my spot in LA and I'm checking out, you know, their, their vegan section. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of looking around at the different things that I haven't tried yet. And a, an older dude comes up and, you know, he, we strike up a conversation and he told me that, you know, I, I guess I kind of complained a little bit. I'm like, well, you know, there's not a whole lot to choose from. <laughs> and he kind of, you know, he kind of put me in my place there. It politely was like he, he'd been vegan for like three decades, you know? And he said, when, when I went vegan, we had none of this stuff. Like, and it made me, it clicked. It made me realize, you know, how, how I guess fortunate I was that I had all these different things that I could choose from when, you know, people like even, even two decades ago or less didn't necessarily have that. So yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a, it was definitely a struggle for me, but like I said, I would like to think I would have stuck with it regardless. I don't know if I would have been able to, but I would, I would like to think I would have. So you said you told me over the phone, but can you, can you tell me again, where exactly have you been on the road, on your travels, working uh, alongside uh, these tours that you were working with? So I've been to every every state except Hawaii uh, with with doing this stuff, you know, most mostly in the music biz. Um, uh, I've been I've been overseas, but none of it was for work. It was all, you know, vacation or, or whatever. But yeah, I've been to every state except Hawaii. Uh, I, I had been lacking Alaska and Hawaii forever. But in 2018, um, High Times Cannabis Cup, they uh took me out to Alaska for the first time. So check that one off. I need to get to Hawaii, but the very first thing I do when I get to a city, I, I, I yelp happy cow. I mean, the first thing I do when we get in the city is go eat, you know, you've been on the road, you go eat and you're hungry. So I got to see kind of like, I, I was very, very fortunate to see vegan scenes in every state and nation and like eat at my thing is like, bro, I don't know when I'll get back to these places. So I, would find the best vegan restaurant I could and go there. And then I just try to do that all the times I was in the cities is like, whatever is the best, like, like in Frisco, well, it's now it's in Oakland, but it wasn't Frisco. Uh, the, the number one rated vegan restaurant forever. It's called millennium. When I got to Frisco and had heard about that, the first thing I did uh, went there and like, so any, I just try to do things on the road. You can't do anywhere else. So I want to, you know, cause I, I don't want to go to a movie. I go to a movie anywhere, or I could go to Chipotle or anything anywhere, but like, I want to go to, I want to go to, I want to experience your town. I want to experience your vibe and your flavor and see what it's all about. You know? Definitely. Yeah, no, um, that's, that's one thing I was hoping to do. I, 
had always wanted to go on like a cross country road trip, you know, and I got to do it when I moved from LA to Connecticut. Unfortunately, it was in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of places were shut down, you know, and, uh, and it, it was, it was a weird time anyway. Like, uh, we, the, the girlfriend and I stopped in, uh, Atlanta. It was our first two night stop, right? We powered through the whole, uh, Southwest and the spots that I wanted to hit up that were, you know, the vegan spots that I had found online, they were closed. It was also the first, first week of the year, right? So a lot of places are shut down for new years and, and even, you know, a couple of days after, after new year's. So I missed out on a lot. We hit Atlanta. Um, I was hoping to hit slutty vegan. Yeah. Didn't happen. It was there. No, we, no unfortunately not, man. It was it, the whole vibe in the city that day was odd it was um, it was covid vibes or whatever well not just covid but we didn't realize it till we were there and we were in an uber and we were listening to the, the, the uber driver was listening to the news and it was the special runoff election for the senate mm. um mm. the day it was january 5th 4th and 5th ah and then so we, we so we leave so <laughs> gotcha. now getting get the context there so we leave atlanta which was our two day our first two day stop right um on this road trip on our way to Connecticut, the next one, DC, DC. <laughs> so we, we rolled in there, uh, January 5th, the night of January 5th, we were going to check out the city. Cause you know, uh, Cara, my girlfriend, she's, she's unfortunately never been to DC. So we were going to check out, you know, the national mall and, and walk around and, you know, I was going to hit up some vegan spots and well, we caught on very quickly the night of the fifth, when we walked into our hotel room or to check into our hotel. The things were going down. So we bounced the next morning. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we were out of D.C. before the craziness that happened at the, at the Capitol that day. But, um, yeah, so I unfortunately have yet to be able to really um, hit up as many vegan spots on the road as, as I wanted to. But, you know, like you said, trying to hit up all these different spots because you never know when you're going to get back to it is kind of the mentality that I'm taking while I'm living out here in the Northeast. Right. So, uh, fire and spice. I was really surprised to know that you've, you, you know, you know about it. Um, I've been meaning to hit yeah, it I've up. Been there. It's right around the corner from my work. Um, so I'll be oh, hitting nice. it up. I'll be hitting it up, but, uh, I've, I've got a couple other spots out here that I've been trying. So also since you live in Hartford, I mean, you definitely got to take a Boston, a Providence and then a few days in New York city too. Like, oh, cause yeah. Boston, Boston's got great vegan food. Providence, believe it or not, they're a smaller city, but they have a ton of good stuff. Okay. And, uh, then New York, I mean, New York has gotta be the, probably the, I mean, the thing is, is they've got more vegan restaurants than anybody else, more than L.A. Really? It's just, yeah, because they got more people. Mm. But but I I think L.A. has better vegan food, but I'm also like prejudiced, not prejudiced, biased <laughs> towards the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like New York, uh, you know, it's it's got, but I mean, dude, they, it's unbelievable. They. They're in the top three in the world for oh, sure. Like okay. Best vegan foods. And you're so close to all of them. You got, and, oh, and Philly. Philly too. You got to hit Philly. Backtracking back to when you were on the road. And do you recall any moments where you rolled into us? I know you said that you would prepare, right? You took steps to prepare, maybe hitting up uh, when you would hit up a convenience store and make sure you have your, your bread and whatever it was that you needed to make a sandwich for you for, you know, 
worst case scenario. Was there ever a situation that where you found yourself where you had nothing to eat because of a lack of options? Yeah, if it was like what I would do is um, if that happened, I would get a naked juice. I would get, oh, almonds. Almost every convenience store carries mm. almonds. I would get almonds. I haven't thought about this in like a long time. Uh, I had to had to like go back into my memory. Uh, naked juice, almonds. And if they had like a kind bar or or something similar that was vegan, I would eat it, you know? So, the, I mean, you could get by. Now, were you consistently the only person that was vegetarian or vegan or were there other people that were, you know, vegans, vegetarians around you? No, nah, there were others. Um, but it just depended like on warp tour, there were tons. Uh, and it was pretty cool. Cause there was like a support group on other tours. Sometimes I was the only one inevitably on all of them. Somebody came up to me and was like, I want to go to lunch with you. I want to see all that shit you've been eating. Looks good. Like, let me try it. Or like, how do I go vegan? Like people would ask, you know, it wouldn't be everybody, but like, we'd all go out to eat. And a lot of times people would, you know, <laughs> out of their, like, I didn't care, but like, sometimes they just out of me being there, they'd order something different than they would have. <laughs> they did. I don't want to offend you. Well, dude, you're not going to offend me. I, like you can't, but like, I thank you. I, you know, but, but it, it was actually cool that not everybody was because I know me, like I'm, I'm not the typical, like, vegan person so people were seeing that vegan could be another kind of you know i know i'm white like most vegans you know but the, but besides that besides that you know it, it was it was cool it was cool to like interact with people and 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 get their side because they don't know either just like we didn't know before either but yeah you know yeah so exactly so if you could go back you've been to 49 states You've eaten in a lot of different cities, a lot of different vegan spots. If you can go back right now to one of them, I know that's a tough question, but if you can go back right now to one of them, which one are you going to? I'm going to tell you two. I'm going to tell you one that's not around anymore and one that is. Okay. Okay. One that's not around anymore. There was this place in Miami called Thrive. It was on, on Miami Beach, and it was like you it was on washington and you walk like through a like this wooden gate and then you're in a like this super cool garden and you're you're like yards from the ocean maybe like 50 70 yards from ocean so you could smell like the ocean like air and it you're in this cool garden and they were all raw it, it was a raw spot mm. uh but they dehydrated uh food up to like 118 degrees so they did have some warm options but that was that it was it wasn't just the food it was like taking people there into this like cool tropical garden that was pretty awesome um okay uh man i'm gonna i'm gonna say uh the other one that it man this one i just love even though it is a a small chain it's not like some big ass chain not mcdonald's but it's a small chain i'm sure you know of it is veggie grill um yeah i love veggie grill uh and i i love a lot about it like i i just like how they change things up with the seasons 
And also their buffalo wings. I've never had a better one, like ever, whether it was real meat or fake meat. Like I, I remember eating fake, I remember eating real meat. Like I remember, I wasn't that long ago. I, I remember everything. So uh, I would say, I'm going to say veggie grill. I mean, man, I could name like 30 other places. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And our conversation that we had over the phone, you named quite a few. So yeah. Um, no, nah, veggie grill's good. I, I, I've been there. I've been there a few times. So. Hey, since you're near, uh, since you're near Boston in Cambridge, there's veggie galaxy. It's a okay. vegan diner. You got to go check out veggie galaxy. Now I'm definitely going to head up that way to, uh, I want to go check out a, a Red Sox game. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a baseball bro. fan, so. Bro. Also I have to, on another note, I, traveling all around, I, I'm a baseball fan too. Okay. I've got to go to like 14 or 15 stadiums and and Fenway is my number two that I've been to so far really I'm a Met I'm a Mets fan haven't been there but like Wrigley is number one Fenway is number two that I've been to my cousin Javier and I uh, my, my cousin Javier is a huge huge baseball fan loves the Padres I'm a, I'm a big Padres fan as well Javi my, my cousin Javi will watch every single game if he gets the opportunity to do so anyway you know since we were kids we always talked about hitting up every single baseball stadium at some point, right? Um, it's, something, it's something we hope to do. Uh, but living out here now in, in, in the Northeast, I've, uh, I just hit up uh, City Field last month. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I just hit up yeah. City Field last month. My, my Padres were in town. Your Mets were going to sweep them, but we avoided the sweep the day I showed up. <laughs> nice. Oh, you brought the luck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and actually I got to see uh, Tatis – Knock one and out. Machado go back to back home runs, man. Yeah, yeah, it was That's great. That's awesome, dude. I heard somewhere th- this person that was telling me that their their uncle had hit up every single ballpark in the country, and he had a pretty cool tradition of buying a hat from every single stadium he went to. Oh, I got to start doing that. Oh yeah. So I started doing That's it. Tight. I started doing it. Yeah. I, I had to pick one up. Uh, That's awesome. Next one, hopefully Fenway, um, you know, Yankee stadiums out here as well. Philly, Philly's not too far from me. Uh, yeah. you know, not just the vegan food, but you know, yeah. uh, go, go catch a game out there. So um, yeah, it's something I, I, I hope to complete it, you know, hopefully uh, sometime in the future. Although I, I hate very few things in this world. You hate the Yankees. No, I should oh. for what they did to my Padres in 98. <laughs> okay, I, what do you uh, – go ahead. Dodgers. Oh, okay. Okay, I mean, you're from Dago, so I, I believe you. So I don't know if I will <laughs> ever complete this collection because I just would never be able to bring myself to pay for a Dodgers hat. What uh, if – But okay, so I went to a Padres game two years ago, and uh, they played the Dodgers. It was in Dago, and uh, Padres won – and I was going for the Padres because I'm not a Dodgers fan, but yeah. uh, they gave they gave out bucket hats. I still have it. It's an SD on it. Yeah. How about if how what if you went and they gave out a, a LA hat? That would you keep it or did you would you have to dispose of it? I would dispose of it. <laughs> hey, that's real. Hey, you're real. But yeah, that, I, when you said you were a Mets fan, I had to, I had to run and grab it and show you. It's the first one, first one in the collection. Um, my buddy uh, also named Javi, so we started the tradition at the same time and. He's got two other hats on me. He's, he's, he's ahead two hats on me right now. He, he hit up the Angel Stadium already and, uh, and the Mariners. So we'll see. We'll see how that collection goes. Um, so you've hit up 14 ballparks, staying on the topic of baseball. You said 14? I'd have to really look at a map um, and tell you, but it's, it's 14 or 15. Yeah, I've, I, I could try to, like, recite them off the top. It's like, let's see. Starting over here, I've, I've only done Padres, believe it or not. I should have done all the, all the California – 
and Mariners, but I have not. But I've, I've done Padres. Um, I've done Rangers, um, Astros, Cubs, Sox, Brewers, um, Marlins, uh, Phillies. I got kicked out of the Philly Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Phillies. Um, shoot. I, I I did a few more. I can't I can't think of them off the top. Oh, uh, Indians. Um, nice. uh, there's a couple more, but yeah, I and um, n- almost all of them, if not all of them, I did on the road. And uh, usually with people that were on the road with me, we we would go when you're on the road with people, even if they don't like baseball. If you go to Chicago, like Wrigley is like people want to see the Cubs. And dude, it is the funnest, coolest place, man. Like it's. It's the coolest baseball park I've seen. Really? You know? Yeah. Okay. And I'm not a Cubs fan. I mean, I, I grew up watching them because, like, you know, how old are you? I'm 36. I had to, th- 36. Had to think about it for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure how many how many channels were on TV when you were a kid. Do you remember? Oh, man, we had. Was there, was there a lot or nah. not? Nah. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, like, WGN out of Chicago Okay. They, yeah. they came like, okay, for the first few years I was alive, there weren't even any cable here. So we never saw any Cubs games. But then like cable came and WGN, the Chicago network came. And so it I went around the country. And so everyone started watching. That's how everyone got to be Cubs fans is yeah. WGN. Yeah. And, uh, and so like I did watch them there. And, and man, going to a Cubs game is, I mean, it's fun, bro. If you can ever, if when you go, because you're going to a Cubs and a Sox game. So when you do, if mm-hmm. you're able, bro, you got to see Cubs versus Brewers because okay. it's like seeing LA versus Frisco in, in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, that's intense. Yeah. That's intense. It's like there's no love at all. And anybody brave enough to wear a Brewers jersey is probably a tough person or crazy (laughs) (laughs) i hear you i get the i get the comparison yeah 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 yeah, no for sure um so okay um i'm assuming that some of these ballparks that you hit up at some point you were vegan or vegetarian all of them i was at all of them uh what would do any stand out as any of those ballparks stand out as far as you know having a decent amount of vegan options or having absolutely none when I started going to these parks, uh, 2010, I believe was, I think was my first, my first was I did Wrigley first. When I started doing it, there was like no options really at all. The last game I went to was 2019 in San Diego. There, I have to say of the ones I've done because the other ones were like two years and farther back. The stadiums hadn't quite got there yet, but I know they are there now in quite a few of them. I, I hear Frisco's pretty good. I hear Texas is good. Like the Rangers is good too. I, I, but and I've been I've been to a Rangers game. I really don't – there was nothing there when I went though. It was 2010 and 11 and Rangers, there was nothing. Yeah, but the ballparks, I mean, I, I keep up on vegan news. I read it every day online and, and they definitely have – many ballparks um some ballparks have done a uh beyond meat 
uh, collaboration. So, yeah. Um, what about what about when you went to City Field? Did, was there anything there? City Field, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, actually was ranked, I think, like by PETA or something as one of the top ballparks yeah. for vegan food in the country. Because, you know, I looked it up before I went out there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I actually didn't eat because I, I, I had uh, eaten before I uh, walked through the gates, unfortunately. But that's smart. Right there anyway. on the menu. Yeah. Right there. Because, you know, not, not I know you don't want to buy a thirty dollar burger. <laughs> that that and then you know i didn't know necessarily if any of the stands or concession stands by my uh seats actually had the option i didn't necessarily want to walk around looking for it right because every single concession stand doesn't have the, the same thing right so yeah but no the, of course the one that was directly behind me right there on the menu vegan burger mm. um yeah you know labeled cool. as is that's so, so cool um, to see it, it really was. It was, it was super cool. Um, so yeah, no city field, uh, beautiful ballpark. Um, fans are great. You know, they talked a lot of crap and I absolutely loved it. Uh, it, it hadn't even walked through the gate yet, you know? And, uh, like I said, uh, we avoided the suite that day, but you know, they were telling me to get the brooms ready. So I bet. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. But the, the vegan options are there. It was, it was a great experience. So hell yeah. Getting back on the topic of music. Um, sure. I know you said your your radio shows in your college days were, you know, hip hop. And over the phone, you told me how you and Paul connected, uh, you know, in a large part through hip hop. So I'm just curious to know who are your top artists? What are your top albums? I mean, you're obviously a hip hop head. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Okay. Yeah, man. I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Uh, cause I mean, I could name it so many different, but, uh, I'll just say, you know, top artists, I'll just I'll just kind of rattle off a few from the 80s, 90s, 2000s and current, I guess. But 80s has got to be I mean, rock him. I think he's I think he's the greatest lyricist ever. I've I've seen him in concert a few times. I met him a couple of times. No and yeah, uh, rock him is at the top of my list. He's a class act. He just changed rhyming forever. He the way the way rhyming was it he 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 was a rhyme scientist and it came off and like so uh rakim run dmc they're in my top for sure um houdini uh they're in my top uh i mean there's a bunch more uh than like 90s red man method man wu-tang um snoop i mean dre like uh and i mean a whole bunch of other stuff but yeah paul paul uh he he's got real good taste in music too just just uh you know he he uh he played a big role in uh in in people hearing music they hadn't heard around where we grew up you know same with me but but paul also but uh back to the who else do i like i don't know like Kendrick, of course. Uh, uh, I like Guilty Simpson. He's from Detroit. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's a top tier lyricist. Not a lot of people know his name, but Guilty Simpson. Um, Got to shout him out. He's he's an amazing guy. Uh, Killer Mike. Oh, yeah. Um, man, I mean, so many, bro. Uh, you know, let, let's let's say a few Midwest ones since I haven't said any. Twista, of course. He is the Midwest guy. Like there yeah. wasn't really anybody before him. 
and nobody's ever been able to do that style like he did. I do have to shout out Bone Thugs too, though, um, and and say they they're great. Um, you know, uh, Crucial Conflict. I really liked them too. Do or Die. Uh, then down south, gotta say Ghetto Boys. Number one, uh, uh, they they came definitely Big Crit. Um, yeah. Uh, Ritz. Um, Outcast, of course. Oh, of course. Goody Mob. Yeah. yeah. You know. So I, I don't know, man. I got so many, so many. I could probably, you know, name name for the next thirty minutes and, and not be done. But <laughs> one album, maybe two albums that you can listen to without having to skip a track. All right, I'm gonna have to go with the Chronic for one of them. <laughs> I came up in the era of the Chronic, man. Okay. And when okay. it came out, it changed music forever. Uh, Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory. I don't need any skips on that. There you go. Yep. I'm going to go with Outcast ATM. Okay. Honorable mention, Pete Rock and Seal, Smooth Mecca, and The Soul Brother. Okay, that's it. I'm going to stop. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I mean, the, the, yeah, it could go on forever for sure. I was curious to see if, if the if the one that, I mean, I have a few for sure as well, but I was curious to see if the one that instantly comes to mind whenever I'm asked that question was on your on your short list there, and it was not. Okay, is it Nas? Oh, Illmatic? Of course. Okay. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a lot of, I knew it would be. You didn't tell me this. That we didn't talk previously, everybody <laughs> no, out there. Yeah, yeah. It's no, even I mean, just a guess. I mean, and it's, it, for, that's the one that, for me, right? I mean, and, and that dropped uh, before I I was really into hip-hop, right? Uh, I think it was, what, eight or nine, nine when that 94. dropped. 94. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I, was like, I was like eight, yeah, I was like eight or nine, uh, depending on the month it dropped, so. Um, I, I love it to this day. Uh, yeah. The only, um, the only criticism I have of that album, and I'm sure you probably heard this criticism. It's too short. It's only nine songs, it. 10 tracks with the intro. Yeah, it's like 36 minutes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, it's a, yeah. it's a classic. Um, it is. I mean, you got production from like large professor and Q-tip yep. and diamond D is just great album, man. Nice. I, I I go against the grain with Nas. I I'm gonna say he is is the second best lyricist ever next to Rakim personally. But I am of the people that believe uh, his second album is the best one. And I know that's blasphemy to a bunch of people. But and <laughs> and, and I know they think he went pop and commercial. But man, he. Yo, on some of those songs, like Take It In Blood, he it was, was rhyming so hard. Like It was mm. written as an absolute classic for sure. It was written as my favorite Nas album. I'm going to say that every time people could say what they want. You I know, know people are like, no, it's Illmatic. And like, <laughs> dude, hey, is it Illmatic? Yeah, Illmatic was dope, but I feel like he hit his stride with it was written. When you ask that question, which of Nas's albums is the best album he's ever put out. I don't think he could, you could go wrong with saying Illmatic or saying it was written, right? I think no, at, at that point, at I really think it's personal preference because um, those are both, in my opinion, absolute masterpieces. Uh, yeah, they're, they're both they're both great. Um, and Nas ain't even my, I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite rappers, but he... Who's, who's like a couple of your favorites, man? Pac, man. Pac is... Oh, Pac yeah. is my my all-time favorite, right? And um specifically he's at the top. Specifically that that time period right before Death Row 
And at the, me against the world, the best album I ever agree. Did? Me well, it, for yeah. me, it's either me against the world or uh, the Seven Day Theory, right? The Don Caluminati's that Seven Day Theory. Those those two albums for me really uh, embody everything that I love about Pac, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, All Eyes on Me, I still listen to it. Um, you know, uh, Tupacalypse Now, uh, everything in between, right? Everything in between. Um, yeah, Tupacalypse straight. Um, but um, yeah, Pac is my all time favorite. But I mean, Nas is up there. Um, uh, Yo, bro, Q. I am one of the people that believed Pac would come back. Like, I waited seven years for the Don Caluminati theory to happen. It didn't come out. And like year nine, I was like, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> but I believed this shit. I swear, bro. I was the big Pac I'm fan. a bit embarrassed to say that I did as well. But I think I think I know why a lot of us did. It's because we, we wanted, wanted it to, to be believe, true. bro. We wanted it to be true, right? So yeah, I else? mean, um, but yeah, Pac, uh, Nas, Cube. Yeah, Cube. The for sure. influence and impact he had on, on just West Coast lyrics in general, right? I mean, what he did with NWA and everything. Like, I mean, the, the, the yeah, that Cube's man is an absolute man. legend. Um, Immortal Technique. I, oh yeah i love immortal technique people rarely get as deep and as raw as that guy with his lyrics he's, yeah he's on top he's a lot he's got a lot of krs in him when it comes to the issues he you does know? you know there's a couple others that i like to listen to i have the uh bad habit of not breaking out of my comfort zone when it comes to music i mean i listen to a lot of different type of music right like hip-hop is kind of what i gravitate towards but like john mayer uh continuum one of the best albums i've ever heard right um i listen hey, to a what little about bit of the what about the uh the skit on Chappelle with john mayer with the guitar oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which reminds me all oh, the roots the roots um uh, yeah, tipping roots point one of, one of my all-time favorite albums as well i i have a bad ha- i listen to a lot of different types of music even music in spanish right but um yeah. Like I have a bad habit of not listening to anything new. I get into that, and you know, um, most recently, and I, I I hate to admit it, but this was about four or five years ago. Somebody put me on a Joey Badass, and I love Joey. I can't Badass, believe I man. slept on that dude as long as I did. Yeah, um, he's great. But yeah, I mean, I just I like lyrics. I get it's got to have lyrics, and I I want it to be about something. Of course, I mean, you know, I like eating candy. Just like anybody, buy. I like eating nutritious food. Just like I like listening to bullshit. You know, like I, I'm. I might listen to some like mob tales. You know. Oh, can I shout out one? I gotta say E40, bro. E40. I have to. And then you know, let's say uh, from your neck of the woods, Little Rob, Mitchie Slick, Mitchie Slick, Little um, Rob. Yep. Who else is from Dago? I'm trying to think. Jo. Oh yeah, Jo Felony. Felony. That's right. Uh, so yeah, those guys, they were all, they were all great. Uh, by the way, jail felony, uh, when me and Paul got on the radio, jail felony had that song. Uh, 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 I can give it to you, but what to go and do with it? That one. Uh, so, uh, that had jail felony method, man, DMX, DMX was on there and Def Jam who jail felony was signed to yeah uh had sent us the cd single and for the first six months well i did radio for two years i'm not sure if paul did it three but for the first six months that was our number one requested song no way jail felony so, yeah it was wow yeah. because bro dmx was so fucking hot. yeah like yeah. it's dark and hell was hot and then oh, he yeah. did the next one and like 
you just dude you just couldn't get away from him like it was it was crazy i i got uh not lucky but me and me and one of my homeboys uh slept in the parking lot of unlv at the thomas and max center and we got tickets to the hard knock life tour uh which was you know the four headliners were red man met the man they uh dmx and jay-z but there was also the locks there was also ja rule eve so red man and method man went on and i could tell a whole 20 minute story about that was crazy dmx came on next i've never seen an explosion of energy at any musical performance before or since chairs went flying food went flying people dude it was insane and then uh, bro when he when he dropped rough riders anthem like People, I don't know. It was just an insane spark of electricity that will never be captured again. Yeah. How yeah. DMX came out like that. He he had that energy for like two years. Like we mentioned earlier, yeah, that that energy was unmatched. I got to work with him. Really? I got to work with him, luckily, uh, a few years back at, uh, at the Cannabis Cup in San Bernardino. It was maybe 2017 or so. He was one of our our performers and we had naughty by nature and uh nice. a few others but um bushwick bill was there too and uh yeah so so bushwick went on like dmx got done bushwick went and wrapped his uh verse off mind playing tricks he's like this year halloween fell on a weekend and uh he he did his he did his whole verse and i was out there cheering because like not everybody knew who he was. There's a lot of young people. And then he's like, who's this guy? So I cheered for, for him. And then uh, he he was hanging out with Naughty and he lost them. He got a little a little drunk. He lost them. And uh, so, dude, I see him. He's like, he's about to walk out of the out of the uh, complex there. And so I pull over. I say, hey, bro, you are you good? He goes, he goes, oh, man. Not naughty uh was right here. And next thing I looked around and they were gone. And I I don't know what their hotel is. I'm I'm stuck. So I went in to talk to my production manager. Shout out to Bill Orner and also shout out to uh Samina Mod. Thank you guys for having me a part of the high times. Uh but uh I went back in and talked to my my production manager and he I said, Hey, Bill is stuck out here. He needs a ride. Do you know what Naughty's hotel is? Because we, we don't they we we might pay for the hotel, but we don't really book it. You know, they, they, they usually figure that out. So, um, he said, Oh yeah, I do. It was the Hyatt. So I, I told Bill get in the van and I took him over there. And, uh, the first thing he says, I'm listening to a song called long winded by this, um, East coast group, blase, blase. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but yeah. they're nineties. Uh, and, uh, it's playing and, and he, he looks over at me and he goes, and like he knew, he doesn't know me, but he's talking like, he goes, I didn't know you listened to conscious music. And I was like, hell yeah. And that was just, that was a cool thing for him to say, man, I'll never forget it. Cause like how many times are you going to drive Bush with Bill around, you know? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> and it was one year before he passed. So I'm glad that yeah. got, got like, you know, I got to hang out with DMX and Bush with Bill, you know, pretty cool. That's super you cool. You never know where life's going to take you, man. Yeah, man, especially working in that line of work that you worked in. I'm sure you have tons of stories like yeah, that, bro. right? We could talk for hours. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you did mention that you you know decided that it was time for you to, you know, kind of transition out of that world. Uh, may I ask what, you know, led you to that decision? 
Yeah, like, okay, a few things. <clears throat> One, I mean, <laughs> some people's gonna think this silly, but to me, it's super important. But so I've got a cat. I've had this cat since 2009. Uh, she was one year old. I got given her as a present to me. And uh, she's been with me the whole time. She's been back at the crib. My sister and my nephews have been watching her. But uh, she, you know, uh, she's like 12 or so. And I just don't want to be that far away from her anymore all the time. She doesn't like it. It depresses. It, she gets depressed. And when I come home, I can tell. And so, like, it's just, it's not, I don't want to do that to her. And it's, it's partially that riding in a vehicle, whether it's a tour bus or a, or a van or a, a bus or, or a truck or an RV or whatever, you know, you're riding along that road, you know, and just, you're bouncing, you're bouncing the whole time. So uh, your body is in that vehicle. It's part of that vehicle. Um, 10 years on the road, it, it's tough on your body. I started touring when I was 30 years old. Most people start before that. They start in their early 20s usually. Um, it's not an old man's game. Um, now, not to say there aren't any people that are older than that. There are plenty. But, and also, you know, I'm sure you can understand, like, being on the road with a bunch of friends and like you're out you got money you got you're in a new city all the time like you party and so that actually takes it out on you too you know i didn't do i wasn't doing hard drugs but like uh you know drinking and i mean smoking all the time like you know it's it it, it does take it out on you you know so my other reason is i want to enjoy music without being at the show I've been like backstage for some of the most legendary artists you ever heard of. And some of the time I was like paying attention and I was really into it. And I was like, man, never seen these guys before. And sometimes I was like, man, fuck, I'm tired. I'm at work. Like, you know, so that's part of it. And then um, I also, I also want to work for myself. Um, I don't want to, be working for anybody anymore which i think is the goal of everyone even if we don't always pursue it because it is scary but uh i'm starting a i'm starting a vegan pizza pop-up and uh i'm going to hopefully have it uh running by august and i'm not going to say the name but uh it's a hip-hop themed vegan pizza spot and uh i'm gonna start it off here in utah but i'm gonna take it to las vegas um as soon as I need to take it to Las Vegas because that's where that's where my heart's at. So, but uh, it's going to be hip hop themed. All of the slices are some kind of name of uh, some kind of name of a hip hop album or rapper or some kind of something to do with it. Like the mac and cheese slice is Born to Mac, like Two Shorts album Born to Mac, uh, and Pizza Under the Stairs is our like pepperoni slice so uh we've got a bunch of others but i'm gonna save them till once i once i uh get the pizza going and come up to hartford i'll i'll, I'll share the rest well man definitely you know keep me uh in the loop of how that's all going when you know when it all gets off the ground when you when you start your instagram specifically for it you know i'll tag it i'll be at the farmer's markets a lot and they always have kale i'm gonna do a, a beyond the kale pizza for you bro i'll make one wow thank you <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, yeah, and I think I told I you, you I have family out in your neck of the woods. So I'm going to, I'm going to have them, I'm going to send them, send them your way. 
Yeah, send them over and, and we can we can try it, man. Thanks again to Freeze for taking time to share his story with Beyond the Kale. You can connect with him on Instagram at All Vegan Everything. That's All Vegan, E R R Y T H A N G. Keep an eye out for his vegan pizza shop that should be popping up in spots in and around Utah and Nevada soon. And thanks again to Paul Sanchez for connecting us and helping make this episode happen. You can find Beyond the Kale on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Beyond Kale Pod. Feel free to follow us on any of those social media platforms and wherever it is you go to get your podcasts. And of course, thank you all very much for listening. We have more episodes on the way. So please definitely come back and check them out.